Fantastic. Thank you so much. A great time of worship together this evening. And uh, we just want to thank everybody who's joined us in person. And for, for those that are joining us online, uh, watching via YouTube tonight. So uh, if we could just give a clap offering to the Lord, uh, that would be wonderful. It's great to be uh, in the presence of the Lord, no matter what uh, the limitations or restrictions may be, just to be in his presence and to come together um, as the anointed group of people, um, I just think is very, very special and uh, a privilege that should not be overlooked in our day and age. Um, this is week two of our thoughts concerning the believer's toolbox and uh, talking about the gifts of the spirit and the life of the believer. And I just really believe that this is a significant message and a significant time to be preaching along these lines for the church, uh, for the world at large, for the communities in which we live in. Um, I, I love the fact that uh, Paul didn't say, I've, I've come just in word. I've just come and preached a good message. He said, I've not come in word indeed, but in demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I, I just think that we, the church of the 21st century, have got to sound like, feel like, and be like the first century church, but in a modern 21st century picture. So before we get to the specifics, if you like, of tonight's message about the grace gifts of the Spirit of God, you know, we, we, we want to learn about the gifts of the Spirit. We want to understand what those gifts mean to our lives and, and how we can operate them. But before we get to the point of understanding the gifts, we really need to get to know the giver of the gifts. And there's a, there was a saying many years ago in church circles, don't seek the gifts, seek the giver of the gifts. And there's a, there's a great truth in that reality in many senses. Um, I, I grew up in a Baptist church. I then went to more of a Pentecostal type church. And um, it, it, as much as the gifts are great, to know the giver of the gifts is, is the most important part of the journey. Because when we know him, he, we will know what it is that he gives us. You know, when we walk with him, when we spend time with him, when we understand how the Holy Spirit operates and moves and wants to use me and you in, in the life in which we live, we won't be looking for the gifts. We'll be looking to the giver of the gifts. And as we do, as we walk with him hand in hand, the gifts of the Spirit will be very evident. Paul said this um, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. He said, earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual gifts to be used by believers for the benefit of the church. I, I, lo I love this because I, I don't believe it's just for the benefit of the church. I believe it benefits the church. I believe it benefits the community in which the church, the vicinity where the church is, but also the community and the, the world around us as the church live according to the things of the Spirit. So Paul clearly is really teaching and, and, and encouraging the church in his letters to, to really understand and um, have a, an awareness of the things of the Spirit. The problem is that there are many people in the church today who are, who've had an encounter with God. They've had an encounter with who Jesus is. 
But they're living like Acts chapter 19 Christians. And I'm going to tell you about the Acts 19 Christians. Because they hadn't really experienced the things of God to the fullness of what he wanted to reveal. And if you've got your Bible, feel free to turn with me to Acts chapter 19. So if you've not got your Bible, I will quick... Yes, some of you have. So feel free to bring your Bible. It's, uh, it's handy to have. Acts chapter 19, verse 1 to 4. And it says, And it happened while Apollos was in Corinth, that Paul, having possessed, uh, passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples. What did he find? Disciples. You can't speak. <laughs> that was tricking you. That was testing you. <laughs> Say it in your heart. Okay. If you're at home, you can shout it out loud. What did he find? He found some disciples. That's it. He felt I forgot myself. How about that? <clears throat> Getting into preaching mode, carried away. <laughs> there we go. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, these were good-hearted, Bible-believing, God-fearing people who had received Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. And Paul... You know, Paul's walking around, he's looking for, looking for lives to impact, lives to, to teach, lives to, to, to impart the Holy Spirit into their lives. And Paul says, he's so direct at times, Paul the Apostle. He goes up to them and says, well, you know, I know you're God-fearing, you're God-loving, you're God-caring, you're disciples of Jesus Christ. But he asks this question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? What an incredible question to ask. Oh, they, they believed in Jesus. They believed that he died and he rose again. But he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Another translation, the message translation puts it this way. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you take God into your mind only? Or did you embrace him in your heart? Did, did he get inside you? What a great way of putting it. Did God get inside you? The Orthodox Jewish Bible, I'd love, to, love for you to find that one, Lyndon. <laughs> the Orthodox Jewish Bible says it this way. Did you receive Ruach HaKadosh when you believed? Did you receive Ruach HaKadosh, Holy Spirit, when you believed? And I think that's a really important question that each one of us need to ask ourselves whether you're at home in your living room watching in the kitchen making a brew or whether we're here in the room we need to ask ourselves that question and be totally honest and real I may have received Jesus I may have accepted his forgiveness of my sin I may have accepted that he died and rose again but did I receive the Holy Spirit when I believed did was there a manifestation of the Holy Spirit's actions and, and ability in my life when I believed. And I think answering that question will enable us to find out whether we can preach Jesus to the day he returns 
and there is no spiritual difference in your life. Or when we know that we've received the power of the Holy Spirit, there is going to be a transformation in your life. There's going to be a, a transformation of our, our morals, a transformation of how we view this world, a transformation of how we view other people, a transformation of who we are in Christ as we outwork who he is in our lives. It will transform us. It will, he will impart power into our life when we believe what he's come to do. And these early Christians, they said that we've not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. And there are many people up and down our country today who have not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit present who can come and dwell and live in our lives, empower everything that we do, and enable us to be a witness, to enable us to, to operate and move in the gifts of the Spirit, to walk and outwork the working of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And there are many Christians who are, who are living a default life who aren't plugged into the power source of who Christ is in their life and who the power of the Holy Spirit is operating in and through us. So I believe it's the first and foremost thing that we need to do is to make sure that we have received the Holy Spirit when we believed. If we haven't, at the end of the meeting, I'm going to pray a prayer where you tonight can receive the Holy Spirit, whether you're at home or whether you're here in the room. It doesn't matter what the distance. God is able to do all things and I believe that you tonight, you here tonight and you at home tonight can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and your life can be uh, just empowered from on high. Isn't that exciting? I believe it is so, so exciting. See, when Paul learned that they hadn't received even the Holy Spirit in their life, he said this in Acts 19 verse 6. And when Paul had heard these things, he laid hands on them and the ruach. Hakodesh, Holy Spirit, came upon them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. He didn't have to teach them for hours. He didn't have to explain who the Holy Spirit was. He didn't have to do those things. He just told them, you can receive. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you've received Jesus into your life, then you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of God in your life. And here it says he laid hands on them and the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. I think it's just exciting when we live a spirit-filled Christian life. There is nothing on earth more exciting than, than if you like, nailing our colours to the mast, saying, hey, my, my life is no longer my own. I am now going to live for him and allow him to outwork the fullness of the Spirit in us and through us. I want to take a moment really to go back to the initial birthing of the church, that moment when the Holy Spirit first came on the day of Pentecost. Because if we can, if we can, um, if you can, if we can picture what that looked like in our mind's eye, if we can have an understanding, we, we, we've got to remember these were men and women who were untrained, unlearned individuals. They were tax collectors. They were zealots. They, they were fishermen. They, were, they weren't Bible scholars that sat under the teaching of Gamaliel like Paul did. They were ordinary, everyday people who were rubbing shoulders with ordinary other day, other, other day people. And, and here they were in the upper room. And in the upper room, they knew that Jesus had said, wait, tarry in Jerusalem until you are endured from on high, until the Holy Spirit, Roach, Hakadesh comes upon your life and you receive power from on high. Something caused those men and women 
to stay in that upper room for a for, for hundred and, well, for however many days, 40 odd days, whatever it was, they were up in that upper room. They didn't go to work. They didn't, they didn't leave the room. They were there. They were locked in. Not because they, they, someone had got a key and, and, and padlocked the building, but they, were, they didn't want to miss the moment. I, I can imagine them being in the room in prayer and, and of one accord and thinking, I don't want to go to the loo. Just in case that's the moment he comes. I don't want to be cooking, cooking in the kitchen. I don't want to be the tea man right now. I want to be in the room. I want to be there present when the spirit comes. I want to be present when the spirit moves. And sometimes to be present means that we come out of our comfort zone. We come into a building and we say, here I am, Lord, move. Move in me, move through me, move around me, whatever you want to do, Lord. But do it because I'm hungry for a mighty move of God. And here in this moment, in the Acts 2 moment, the birthing of the church, we, we have a picture of the, the charisma, the, 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 the gifts of God being distributed and given and, and how it worked and how it poured. See, see the greatest, when, when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit is the person, the gift of the Spirit in our life. He comes with nine expressions of the, of the outworkings of the Spirit, but actually the gift of the Spirit is him. And then he has outworkings that operate through our life. You know, don't seek the gift of prophecy necessarily or the gift of speaking in tongues or the gift. Seek him who has all the gifts and allow him to operate through you those nine expressions. So the Holy Spirit came as a, a rushing mighty wind on the day of Pentecost and tongues of fire came and sat on each individual in that room. You know, that wind that blew through that place, a mighty rushing, a, a, a sudden wind that just blew through that place. Like, like, you know, someone had opened the door and, and there was a hurricane blowing through, but the doors were still closed. But God turned up. God was present in that room. And the tongues of fire came and sat on each one. No wonder Jesus said, I will not only baptize you in water, but I will baptize you in fire and of the Holy Spirit. You know, we have the full expression of what Jesus said he would do. And, and, and we can be baptized in, in the tr name of the Trinity. We can receive the Holy Spirit in the name of the Trinity and, and baptizing us in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And, and this moment when, when they'd received, all of a sudden, Peter, he's just got so emboldened and so excited. And all the disciples, they go rushing out into the streets and they begin proclaiming and declaring who Jesus is and, and the amazing things that God is doing. And, and he begins to declare that this is what the prophet Joel had spoken about many years ago. Because the people in, in the temples and around about, they would have understood what the prophet Joel had spoken about. About the, the things of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit moving. And then he began to teach and expound on, on the word of God from the Old Testament and David and, and, and other prophets. And then he gets to the heart of the matter. And then he turns to the crowd. You've got to remember there are more than 3,000. We know 3,000 got saved. It doesn't say they all got saved. So there were many others that were there present. He turns to them and says this. This Jesus whom you crucified. That takes a lot of boldness and a lot of guts when all of a sudden you've denied Jesus three times. You've, you've run from his presence and you've denied him. All of a sudden in the face of, of 3,000 plus people. 
This Jesus who you crucified is both Lord and Christ. And the people were cut to the heart. They were cut. They, 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 the, the word of God just cut straight into their heart. And they cried out, what must we do to be saved? I, I believe that when we begin to preach and we begin to share and we begin to share our testimony with those that are around us under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, because that's one reason why the Holy Spirit was given. You shall be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We're meant to be witnesses who are on fire for him. And, and, and it says, then, then they cried out, what must we do to be saved? And I, I love Peter's response because what Peter said actually is no different to what we see today, 2,000 years on. It's the exact same process. Nothing's changed in our modernism, in our 21st century ways. The way to Jesus has remained the same. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says this, And Peter said to them, Repent. Change your old way of thinking. Turn from your sinful ways. Accept and follow Jesus as the Messiah and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, because of the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you. I am so pleased it doesn't stop there. I'm so pleased that they didn't put a full stop in. I'm so pleased that they didn't put a chapter in. It says, and the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you. They were to, he was talking about them, those 3,000 that were present at that moment. Then it goes on, and your children. So those that weren't yet born or those that were very young, the Holy Spirit was, was for those 3,000 in the room and their children. And for all who are far off, including the Gentiles. Give me a wave if you're a Gentile. Hey, if you're a Jew, that's fine. But the rest of us are Gentiles. We were heathens, but we're now Gentiles. It's incredible what what Peter is saying here. The promise, 3,000. The promise is also to your children and to those who are far off, the Gentiles. And as many as the Lord our God calls to himself. That includes every single one of us. If we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he's saying the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you. It's for you. He is your possession. You can receive him. You can be empowered by him. You can be guided by him, directed by him, comforted by him. Uh, He's ours if we believe in whom Jesus is, that he He cleansed us from the rubbish and the wrong in our lives. The Holy Spirit, if you receive Jesus Christ and you've received the baptism, the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life, he is now living and abiding and is ever present in our life. Isn't that amazing? Ever present. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He is ever present, always there. But I've got a question for you. When the Holy Spirit comes and we encounter his presence in our lives, when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, do we receive part of him or do we get all of him? I think that's a great question to ask ourselves tonight. Do we get a part of him or do we grow into him or do we get all 
of who he is? Do we get the whole fullness of the Godhead living on the inside? I I just think this is a really good question to ask ourselves. Did we receive a fruit of the Spirit? Or did we receive the fruit of the Spirit outworked in nine expressions? Now, if you could talk to me, I'm sure you'll be saying, Pastor Jeff, we got all nine fruit of the Spirit. Yes, we did. Now, we just need to outwork that in our life and mature in those expressions of the Holy Spirit. So all nine fruit are ours. Now, if we got all nine fruit, do we get all nine gifts? Because you can't turn around to me and say, well, if I, only got, if I, got, if I got love, but I didn't get peace. No, you got all nine fruit. And therefore, you get all nine gifts. But you don't necessarily operate in all nine gifts at one moment. You operate in the gift that God allows you to work in, in the moment that's needed at hand. There's no point in me going to my power tool. Oh, I can't move away too far from here. I, there's no point in me walk. There's no point in me getting my drill out if I need a sander. There's no point operating in the gift of faith when you need a word of prophecy. If you've only been given the word of prophecy and yet the person you're in front of needs a miracle, there's no point prophesying that maybe you'll get a miracle, but there's no one around here to provide it. We have all nine gifts because we have the Holy Spirit in our life because he's the gift and the nine are expressions that he has expressed through our life as gifts of the Spirit. Listen to this. In John chapter 1, verse 16, I'm going to read it from the Amplified. It says this, For out of his fullness or abundance we have all received. Now, all means everyone in this room, everybody watching from home and everyone that's going to watch this online throughout the week. For out of his fullness or abundance, we have all received. All had a share. We were all supplied with one grace after another. Spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing and even favor upon favor and gift heaped upon gift. I love this. Another translation puts it this way. Through this man, Jesus We all receive gifts of grace. Remember last week we were looking at all the gifts of God, grace gifts, gifts of grace beyond our imagination. You have so much on the inside of you that it should be beyond your imagination. That what you see is is, is like the iceberg of what God sees. God sees what's beneath the surface. We only see what's above. But when God looks at us, he sees the fullness, the completeness of what we receive. When we look at our lives or when we look at each other, we see the surface. We see a gift or a manifestation or a a, a fruit that's come forth. But when God sees us, he sees the manifestation of all his fullness in our lives. And, And another translation puts it this way. And of his Fullness, not a part, not a piece, not a bit, not a microbe. I put that in there. But of his fullness, we have all received and grace for grace. Now, if you had my, if you have my fullness, I wouldn't chop off an arm and say, here you are, there's my fullness. 
That wouldn't be my fullness. If you, if you want to have or be in the presence of my fullness, hey, here I am in my fullness. And, and the same goes for the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say, well, here's, here's this part of my Holy Spirit and you can have that part of my Holy Spirit and you can have that part of my Holy Spirit. Of his fullness, we have all received. I, I just think it's just so excited. We have the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in these mortal bodies. That's the moment where I scratch my head and think, I don't get it up here, but I know it in here. And the battle sometimes is when God says, go lay hands on the sick. I believe it here. But up here is, what happens if it doesn't work? What happens if you look an idiot? What happens if that person doesn't get saved? What happens if, what happens, what happens, what happens? And the battle is here. It's not here. It is with the heart one believes unto salvation, not the head. It's with the heart we believe. Do you want to hear something that potentially will get you so excited you may not be able to stay in your seats? You can't answer me. <laughs> I keep forgetting this as I'm preparing these messages. Do you want to hear something at home that will get you so excited? Here we go. How about this? We have the complete package of the person of the Holy Spirit indwelling in our lives right now and tomorrow and the next day and the next day until Jesus comes and takes us back to glory. Listen to this. This just gets it more, to me, this gets more and more exciting. I, I, I'm sat in my office and I'm getting excited about what I'm preaching and I'm preaching it to myself because I know I'm going to be preaching it to you all. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 says, For in him, that's Jesus, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him. The writer should have put a sila. Think about that. Consider it. Dwell on it. Let it sink into your heart. Ask the Holy Spirit for a revelation of that. For in him, Jesus, dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. If that wasn't good enough, I'm going to read it from another translation. Same scripture. For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. And our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. Can, can, you, can you picture this? Can, you, can, we, can we just grasp this? Holy Spirit, help me to grasp this in my life. Because this is what they experienced in Acts 2, that's what they experienced when the Holy Spirit came as a rushing mighty wind. They suddenly became filled with God. They become filled with the presence. They suddenly didn't see themselves as they, as they could in the flesh. They saw themselves as spiritual beings. And they went from doing natural, carnal, daily things to being, to being super, super spiritual Christians who were moving in the power of God. Let me put it this way. The totality of divinity resides in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the fullness of deity living in human form. Remember Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father who sent me. 
Now, when, when God looks at you and I, he sees completeness. We see our faults. We see our mistakes. We see those fault lines in our life. When Jesus looks at you and me, he sees completeness. Let me read it here. Uh, no, 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 let me not get there yet. Everything I require and everything I need in life and godliness is already within me. It's already within you. Okay, now I'm going to get there. Second, Second Peter chapter 1. I thought the time of preaching in my office went fast. Now there's people drawing the anointing out of me. It's, it's just time, bang, goes. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has, past tense, has already been deposited in us by his divine power. Uh, for all this was lavished Upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. It has already been deposited, already been given, already loaded into our life. The divinely given Holy Spiritual gifts or the power tools are already in the tool bag of our life. You can't see the tool bag and you can't see the gifts. Why? Because they are received by grace and through faith, just like salvation. Every gift is available to every believer. No wonder Paul said, earnestly desire the gifts. In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when Paul said, to one is given... What he was doing was addressing a church that was in total chaos and behaving so incorrectly that Paul was addressing their mistakes. He was addressing their misbehavior. And he was saying, look, to one needs to be given rather than a rampage of spirit filled Holy Ghost hooligans, because that's how they were behaving. They were selfish. They were they was all about them. It's all about how big they could be in themselves. And Paul was saying, look, I've got to correct your behavior, that the gifts are given by grace, not by your achievement, not by your behavior to one is given. So I want to read tonight as we come to a conclusion ish. Conclusion-ish, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 to 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, or as the correct translation goes, now concerning spirituals. We added the word gifts because it helped us understand what God was on about, what the word of God. Now concerning spirituals, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. And there are so many Christians who are walking around Ignorant of what they've been given, not knowing what they have. And then he goes on and he addresses their Gentile behavior. You know that you were Gentiles carried away uh, to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one will speak by the Spirit of God, uh, by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestations of the Spirit are given to each one for the profit of all. For one 
For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And I'd like to add, and when we need the tool. Because there's no point, again, giving the, t- the wrong tool for the wrong time. The Holy Spirit is the gift. The gifts of the Spirit are the expressions of what the Spirit of God has been given to us for. The Bible clearly says, stir up the gift or stir up the gift of God or stir up prophecy. Stir up these things in your life. Stir up faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Stir up, stir up. Why, why are we encouraged over and over again? I've got a list of them. 1 Corinthians 14, 39. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. And desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19. Don't quench the spirit and do not despise prophecy. 1 Timothy 4, 14. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that you in progress may be evident to all. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.16, Therefore I remind you, stir up the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. Our part is being willing. Here I am, Lord. I love what Pastor Andy said the other day, which was a quote from Benny Hinn. Uh, good morning, Holy Spirit. That moment that you wake up, good morning, Holy Spirit. Do you know I've done that over and, over and again over the last few weeks? Um, and, and just followed it up by, good morning, Holy Spirit. Here I am, wholly available to you. Here I am, wholly available. Whatever, what, whenever, wherever and however you want to use me, here I am. And I acknowledge the presence of God at the beginning of my day. I just want as a final conclusion, let's be a green light to allow the Holy Spirit. You know, we can often, you know, when you're going through the, 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 the roads around us and there's a red light, um, you know, the tendency is to slow. You're meant to be slowing down when you have a red light. But in the things of God, let's, let's always be looking for green lights just to keep going. I love the fact that Paul, Paul in his ministry, in the mission work that he did, He didn't say, Lord, do you want me to go here? He just kept going. And if the Lord closed the door, if the Holy Spirit Spirit closed the door, he would bounce off of that area and move on to the next. And then bounce off that area and move on to the next. He didn't say, Lord, is it your will? He just went. And he allowed the Holy Spirit to open doors that no man could shut or shut doors that no man could open. But he trusted God every day of his life. And I just want this at the end of this, this evening, just to be an encouragement to you. Be a green light. Be available. Be ready to be used by the things of the Spirit daily. Allow God to use you and the toolbox that he's given you. There's nothing worse. Uh, Phil, you probably know any other DIY guys in the room. You would know, Camille, wouldn't There's nothing worse than bringing a whole bunch of tools to a work day and then the very tool that you look for, you've not got in the box. 
That's the times I've come down here to do some work and I think, oh, oh, I've left it at home. But you know what? We don't leave the Holy Spirit at home. We pick up at the beginning of our day, we walk out into this big bad world and we take the Holy Spirit with us and the toolbox that comes with him. It comes with him. It doesn't come with us. We are the bag in which he's placed the tools. Let's be open and willing daily to be used by him. I'm conscious tonight there may be someone in the room or there may be someone back home that's, that sat here listening tonight and you got all excited and it's like, whoa, oh, can I have this Holy Spirit that you've talked about? Well, yes, you can. Just like Paul said, you believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? And they cried out, yes, we believe. But we've not heard that there's a Holy Spirit. Well, tonight you've heard. Last week, you've heard. If you've been listening to the messages on a Sunday morning, you've heard. The key is, have you received? That was the instruction from the Apostle Paul. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you've believed? Tonight, I want to give you that opportunity to receive. I'm obviously not going to call anybody out, but right where you are, I'm going to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes for this moment. And if you know that you've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, oh yes, you've received Jesus. Oh yes, you may have been baptized in water. But you know that you've not received the power to live out the, the working of the Holy Spirit tonight. I just ask you right now to lift your hands as an act of faith. Lift your hand in the room, lift your hand at home. Just lift your hand and acknowledge, no Jesus, I've not received the Holy Spirit. Tonight I want to receive the fullness of what you're offering me. I'm just going to pray. Father, I thank you that each one of us have acknowledged you as Lord in our life and Savior from our sin. And Father, tonight I pray, Lord, that you've promised us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Father, tonight I pray for anybody in the hearing of my voice, whether here or at home or through the week as they listen. Lord, as they earnestly desire you, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would empower, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit. Lord, you said new wine in new wineskins. Father, come and fill us with rivers of living water, rivers of your spirit. I pray, Lord, for a deluge, uh, an infilling and an outpouring of your Holy Spirit in our lives that we would never be the same again. And I pray, Lord, for those in this room and at home who have received the Holy Spirit, but hey, we've lived our lives as if we haven't. I pray, Lord, that with, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire, that we will be ignited for you to new levels of experience, to new levels of being used by you. Father, tonight I pray, fill us afresh. Fill us afresh. Let your Holy Spirit fill this room, fill our lives afresh. Lord, fill our hearts like, like your word says, that my cup's full and running over. Lord, just as you said, in the last day, there will be the former and the latter rain pouring out together. Lord, fill us afresh. Let there be a fresh 
boldness in our life. Let there be a fresh infilling and an outworking in our life. Lord, give us a fresh awareness and an understanding of the tool bag that you've placed upon our life. Lord, we just say, Lord, use me. Use us. Use your church in power in these last days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. God bless you here. God bless you at home. Have an amazing week. Take care.